Guys, I'm so excited for this next episode. Welcome back to the shit show of my 20s. In this episode, I got to interview Jessica, and Jessica's 27, and she is a mom to an adorable seventh-month-old daughter. And her her daughter is so cute. You can see her on her Instagram page. And it's so cool to talk with Jessica about her transition and how she's been through three different careers and how she used to be a paralegal and how she now she's an online coach and nutritionist. And we get to hear the behind the scenes of her journey and how she got there and how she helps her clients who are struggling with emotional eating and getting through this pandemic and how she's there to support them. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Here it is. So let's start from like the beginning. So like, tell me um, about what your journey has been so far and how you got into nutrition and what sort of jobs you had before. Okay, so I originally went to school to be a paralegal Mm -hmm. is working in law um Mm. that was back in 2010 Mm. and I took a degree program um here in Toronto and I I knew pretty much within my first year that I didn't want to continue Mm. but I had absolutely no idea what else I wanted to do right I was 19 years old just left like the farm (laughs) 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 so I I didn't know what else to do so Mm -hmm. I I continued um, to go through the program Mm -hmm. and I finished all four years Mm -hmm. and I actually went into another program at that point Mm -hmm. I did a child and youth work program to work Mm -hmm. with um, kids and when I graduated from that I just I was still just like lost in life mm-hmm. and well I don't know I would have been maybe like 23 24 mm-hmm. time passes weird I don't know but <laughs> <laughs> so when I when I left school I actually started working in law firms mm-hmm. as a parent mm-hmm. and I was just like wildly unhappy mm-hmm. I was just like you know I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this I would sit at work and I would like watch the time on the yeah. clock minute by minute by and I was just like this is terrible mm-hmm. and I had so I suffer from migraines mm-hmm. and when I was working in the law firms I was getting migraines like two three four times a month mm-hmm. and now I I haven't had a migraine since before being pregnant mm-hmm. so do you think it was caused by like stress or hundred percent yeah yeah like stress the environment like mm-hmm. sitting all day staring at a computer for eight nine ten hours a day mm-hmm. just like that all combined like definitely made me just feel like shit all the time yeah uh, so when it was working I was just like I was like I need to like change something in my life because mm-hmm. this is not gonna be the way I die <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really started to like think about what what I really enjoyed doing and like mm-hmm. what made me happy. And I had been in fitness for several years at that point. Mm-hmm. I really liked working out. I yeah, saw a lot of like benefit from it. I was mm-hmm. just like happy overall. Mm-hmm. So and I started. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And what influenced you to start working out? How long have you? What type of workouts uh, did you start off doing? What influenced me to start working out? Mm. Oh, how much time we have? <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, I was in a, it was like 2011, so this mm. was when I was in school to be a paralegal. I was in like a really shit relationship. Mm. Was, That's where it usually starts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like overall, it was probably like the lowest point in my life. Um, I was just really bad relationship. I was like binge drinking excessively like every weekend. I was like dabbling in some drugs at the time. And it just was like, I, 
I was like grasping at anything that would like potentially pull me out of like this really shitty scenario I was in mm. and I just like started going to the gym and when I first started going I was very much like the typical woman in a gym that only goes to like the treadmill or like the pull because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like so scared right you know you're always so scared the first time like like first while you go to the gym and I just like I would see these like other women in there that were like lifting weights and I was like oh my gosh like I would love to do that and I just like so slowly kind of like made my way over from the like treadmill to like the weights but I would like only work out at the weights that were closest to the door Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be anywhere near the like big weights where all the guys were because like that's so intimidating Mm -hmm. and it like just over time I just became more and more comfortable I started to like be really like confident in my body myself I was seeing like all these really great changes I was like liking the way that like my body was changing and I just like was happier and more like I just felt like more like in tune with myself so Yeah, that's good. the gym can change your life you know like it seems so simple but like it totally change your mindset and like everything so crazy and how did you know that it was time to get rid of the boyfriend you know get rid of the paralegal job you know Where'd you go? 
yes. So that is when I transitioned mm-hmm. into um, being a nutritionist and paralegal, mm-hmm. uh, personal trainer. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I was a paralegal working in the law firms, I started mm-hmm. like studying to be a nutritionist at that time. And I like literally would be at work mm-hmm. and be like on my computer doing like nutrition stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you're not in the right office. <laughs> like I pretty built my first website while being at work. <laughs> (laughs) 
I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, my mom makes it look easy, but I know it's not easy. <laughs> You always feel like your parents have it all under control. And yeah. now that I'm a parent, I'm like, what am I doing? I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what is that like balancing like work with having your daughter and Yeah, so when she was first born, mm-hmm. um, like I, I think I had said before, like I transitioned my like in person personal training clients more to on and so I had my online business prior to her being born mm-hmm. and then when she was first born I went through this long this period where I felt like I like completely lost me mm-hmm. like all, 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 all of a sudden one day I was just really struggled with that and I hated it so much that I pretty much like drowned myself in work mm-hmm. and I like actually got to a point where I started to sort of like resent Esme when she would leave me because I'd be like working and I'd be like, why can't you just like be quiet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you just play on your own. And I'm like, she's a freaking newborn. Like how, mm-hmm. how can I have patience? But I was just like, I was so lost on my own, like without having like myself there anymore that I wanted to like get back that part of my life and it went way too far the other way so then I like pretty much was just like I gotta stop diving so deep into my work because it's obviously affecting like my relationship with Esme and like my like ability to be a mother so just like now I I have like a like designated work times mm-hmm. they generally follow your naps which is nice for now until she no longer naps but <laughs> I have like very like specific like times where like I'm with her, I'm not working, and then I have times where I'm not with her. And thankfully, Emmanuel, my partner, works from home, so he can watch her. And then I'm like doing my work, and then it's separate things, and I don't feel like they're like overlapping and becoming like meshed together, which is really nice because then I can like play with her and focus on her and be happy. And then I can work and not have to worry about her. Mm-hmm. How did you meet your partner? We met at the gym. <laughs> so cute. Of course. <laughs> While you were like working as a personal trainer or? No, no, no. We met. Okay, so we actually <laughs> met when I was still dating my ex. Mm. Um, he, yeah. Emmanuel, my partner, and I both went to the same school for, for college and uh, that's where I first started working out and he would like see me around the gym and uh, the one day I was like stretching and he like came over to me and he was like um, he's like do you do gymnastics <laughs> <laughs> but that was his pickup line <laughs> but, um, but like nothing like obviously came like about that at that time because I had like I was still dating my ex at the time mm. So him and I would just like see each other at the gym and like say hi. But then after um, my ex and I had broke up, Emmanuel and I started talking more and we were like friends for pretty much like a year and a half before we started dating. And it just sort of like, it happened very naturally because we were friends first. Mm-hmm. And we just sort of like, it just like naturally went into that area of being like partners rather than just like friends so yeah (laughs) and after you broke up with your ex were you worried I'm not going to be able to find someone again or were you like I I know there's someone better out there um no I knew there was someone better out there yeah against him like he he had like his stuff going on and stuff that he needed to figure out like overall he was like a good person we just he just like really needed to like figure his own stuff out and him and I were just like we're not meant to be together but dating him I would say like was a blessing for sure because 
it really showed me, like I said before, that you can't change people. Mm-hmm. And you really, like, when you meet someone, like, you really have to accept them for who they are right then and there. Because if you already come into a relationship, whether it's, like, a friendship or, you know, a partnership or something like that, with, like, expectations that they're going to change, you're just going to be disappointed later on when they don't change. And, like, that was, like, the biggest, like, learning thing for me. And once I sort of, like, had that in my head, it opened the door for me to meet people, like, where they are in life and, like, who they are as a person. So, like, when I would meet a guy, I'd be like, okay, this is who he is. Do I like this forever or not? And if it was, like, no, like, I I don't really think I can deal with this, then it was, like, okay, like, we're probably not going to do well together. And that was one thing, like, with Emmanuel, is, like, like when I met him, and, like, when we, first, when, we, we, when we became more, like, close and our relationship started growing, there was nothing in him that I was, like, oh, my gosh, I wish I could change this. And that's, like, why things have worked really good. Like, he does shit that drives me nuts, of course, <laughs> but it happens when you're in a relationship, and that's what happens when you live with someone, but <laughs> <laughs> overall. Overall, like everything about him is like I like love, like all of his like his personality and his like tendencies and stuff. Like the stuff I don't like is like super minor, like you know, guys need the toilet seat up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and how's that having both of you guys like work from home? Um, it's really good. I know a lot of people struggle mm-hmm. with being with their partner all the time, but. We do really, really good. We see each other literally, well, I mean, before this, we still saw each other 20 to 22 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And it just, it worked really good for us. We we do have a schedule. Like, he works in the morning, and I watch Esme in the morning. And then we'll trade, where he watches her a bit in the afternoon so I can do work. Mm-hmm. So we do have, like, some separation. But I'm, like, that annoying girlfriend that I'm, like, always, like, in seeing what he's doing and like trying to talk to him and he's always like please leave me alone (laughs) so for your for your nutrition and coaching um what's the biggest change you notice from doing it like one-on-one personal coaching versus doing it online say that I actually feel like I can service my clients better online mm-hmm. than in, in person mm-hmm. because when you work in person you you generally especially because of like the gym that I was at you generally see a lot of people in one day like you're a Like when you're eating, then you have to do your workout. 
all of a sudden you're at like a 12, 14 hour day and it's, it's like physically intensive. You're always on your feet. You're loading bars with weights and picking up dumbbells. And I just like, I was just so tired too that I get to like the last couple of clients of the day and I just found like, you're not getting the best of me. Like my clients in the morning are getting the best. And then it kind of like slowly as the day goes on, you know, your energy tapers off, your motivation slows down. And all of a sudden your last couple of clients, you're just like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait to go home. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you create boundaries with your clients? So you're available, but you're not like too available. You know, you're still protecting your energy at the same time. Yeah, it's pretty much just, like, when they first start, it's just, like, telling them that, like, you you can text me or mm-hmm. WhatsApp me. Um, and then I say pretty much, though, like, you have to give me, like, 24 to 48 hours to respond to you. Mm-hmm. So don't expect a response immediately. Mm-hmm. But I will get back to you at some point mm-hmm. within the next day or two. My clients are also really understanding. Like, they know I have a baby. Mm-hmm. So they're just really understanding of the fact that, like, life happens. And sometimes, like, I just don't have the time. But for the most part, I'm, I'm usually pretty quick to respond anyways. And I don't find it's too much of, like, a like an energy user or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it's just, like, setting up the expectations when they first start that, like, you're more than welcome to message me, but you know, it'll be up to two days till I get back to you. So yeah. And what's the biggest thing you think people struggle with when it comes to like losing weight? Hmm. To losing weight specifically. I would say I would probably almost go with the emotional eating would be would be definitely emotional eating and and if you have a client that you know is like struggling with emotional eating like what tips do you tell them Mm. that's a hard question yeah yeah I know because emotional eating I feel like it's a bigger thing like right now I, I know, because, like, in the past, I struggled with it, too. Like, I would just go eat Oreos, you know, just keep on eating, eating, eating. Like, yeah. whenever I feel like... I use it, like, as a coping medis- medic, like, mechanism, like, for comfort. So, yeah. Yeah. I think the first step is people understanding or trying to understand what emotion or need they are trying to fill. Mm-hmm. And once you can kind of, in the moment recognize the differences between hunger and stress or being tired or being bored or being sad then it's easier to like make the decision not to eat something because if you're standing at the fridge and you say oh Jessica I'm I'm actually just tired right now Mm -hmm. don't feel like you're not hungry it's easier to like walk away but you have to like work on being able to tell the difference between your emotions and Mm -hmm being hungry Mm -hmm. and then it's like once you know once you can kind of start seeing the difference you can start fulfilling your emotions with the proper thing right like if you're tired you probably need to sleep Mm -hmm. if you're bored you need to like go do an activity not eat if you're like sad you maybe need to cry (laughs) like talk to someone (laughs) the first step is definitely like trying to tell the difference and you can do this like through like writing prompts right like you can like have like little writing prompts where when you go to eat something it's like can be like a couple questions like how am I feeling right now and then if you say you're feeling hungry then you should go eat but if you're like oh I'm tired then you the next prompt would be like like what is an appropriate way to fill this need Mm -hmm. and just kind of to get them like thinking about it and it's like it's a slow journey and Mm -hmm. I think that's what don't understand is that they would they want to come you know to a coach and there'd be this like magical answer but for most of us we're trying to rewire years and years and years of habits and you know things we've been told and that doesn't happen overnight like Mm -hmm. I have clients that I've been working with for 
like a year and a half now mm-hmm. and it's it's just a lot of like repetitiveness and reassurance and just like really small steps to get you there because there is no like magic answer right mm-hmm. we all want like that skinny tea or that like wrap around your stomach and stuff but that doesn't doesn't work it's it's changing like your habits a time yeah (laughs) two there's a like diet culture right is that a lot of people especially women um go on all of these like crazy diets all the time right it's Mm -hmm. like a thing you know Weight Watchers, and then you're doing keto, and then you're doing no sugar, and then, like, you see all these, like, weird diets and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I find a lot of times clients come, and as I said before, like, they expect results really fast, and you have to, like, rewire their brain, essentially, mm-hmm. to help them understand that, like, there is no quick result here, mm-hmm. and... If you want to lose weight, the best way to go about it is literally just small, habitual changes over time that lead to weight loss. And the other thing people often forget about is that we are all different, right? Like what works for me won't necessarily work for you. So it's a little bit of trial and error that when a client comes to me and says they want to lose weight, we have to kind of like dip our toes in different areas and see like do you need to be doing more cardio or do you need to reduce your calories and if you are reducing your calories like by how much and is it carbs or is it fats or you know what like little different changes here and there to see what works like it's not just eat less food and work out more Mm -hmm. so you kind of have to like take the time to figure out what works for that client and like that takes time alone but a lot of like people are they, they want results now mm-hmm. and trying to even help someone understand that if you have like you want to lose 50 pounds it's going to be months of work mm-hmm. like you're not going to be there in two months and that's okay like there's nothing wrong with that it, it's fine if it takes a long time but just understand that not every single you weigh yourself you're going to be down in weight sometimes you go up in weight sometimes you stay the same you know Women have a period, so our period affects our weight. We blow and retain water, and you can't possibly, I mean, you can, but it's not reasonable to expect that every single week you'll be losing weight. So it's just like kind of like encouraging and helping them understand that the process is slow, and that's great because that means once you get there, you'll have all of these new habits built into your life that will just take you through the rest of your life and you don't have to go on another diet again. Mm-hmm. And do you do like intuitive eating? Do you have them like track their calories? It's all dependent on the client. Mm-hmm. Um, different clients, different things for different clients. Some clients are strict meal plans. Some clients are tracking calories. Some clients are intuitive eating. It's really dependent on the person because some people... Some people can't handle tracking calories all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a big job. It takes a lot of work to weigh every single thing you possibly eat and put it in a nap. Whereas other people need to have that kind of structure in their life and they do better with something like that. So it's whatever works best for the client is is the route that we go. Mm-hmm. And what's your opinion on cheat days? Uh, I don't I don't particularly like the words I suppose Mm -hmm. around cheat days Mm -hmm. I I like to try to teach my clients that you you can eat like intuitive eating essentially Mm -hmm. that you can eat the food you want to eat and you don't have to think about like having a burger is like cheating on your diet, Mm. right? If you open yourself up to being okay with eating anything, you naturally will stop eating certain foods when you get sick of them, right? Like I've had it before too, where I'm just like, oh my God, I really want ice cream. So I'll like 
eat a bunch of ice cream for a couple days and then I'll just be like, I'm so sick of eating ice cream, so I'm going to stop. And when you can kind of get into that like mindset, you can have the burger and fries, for example, as your cheat meal, but it's, it's not a cheat meal anymore. It's just like a part of your diet and you can eat it without the like psychological aspect of being like, oh my gosh, like I'm cheating or a lot of people, like I have clients who struggle with this that feel like they can only have a burger and fries if they've been a hundred percent perfect on the rest of their food for the whole week. And it's like moving away from those things that like you should be allowed to enjoy the food that you would like to enjoy. And it doesn't have to feel like something you earn or feel or like healthy food shouldn't feel like a punishment for eating something that you deem to be like unhealthy. So I I don't think it's, I just, the wording around it, I think creates like anxiety for people, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. And do you think it's good to use a scale to measure your progress? Like how often do you think you should be stepping on the scale? Yeah, that, that's totally dependent on the person as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the scale for some people is very detrimental mm-hmm. in the sense that if they don't see the numbers they want to see, it can create like a downward spiral, can push them to be too hard on themselves, you know, self-hate, say thing, like mean things. It can cause them to emotionally eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for people like that, I would generally encourage them to avoid weighing themselves mm-hmm. and use other markers for weight loss. Like there's lots of other things you can do. You can do um, like physical measurements with a tape, like a, um, a measuring tape around different body parts, like how your clothes fit is a great measurement. Um, you know, if you feel like bloated, like there's lots of like non-scale measurements you can use. But then there's, like, other people who, excuse me, who do really well with the scale, like, with the scale, and don't find that it's, like, a negative thing for them. And then there's people, like, there's people who, like, actually need to be, like, weighing themselves if they're, like, I don't work with people who compete, but if someone is, like, competing in a fitness competition, then the scale is very, very important because you have to be a certain degree of leanness to step on stage and the scale is going to tell you whether or not you're getting there. So it's very much like client dependent, but if a client mentally, emotionally is going to be negatively impacted mm-hmm. by the number on the scale, then I encourage them not to use it if they can. Do they tell you right away? They're like, um, I don't like looking at a scale or do you kind of just like figure it out by their. You can usually yeah. feel it out. Yeah. Their personality and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, kind of just like feeling it out or you can see like if you have someone who does weigh themselves and let's say that maybe a talk and they put on one pound, for example, mm-hmm. uh, which in life, like a pound, it could literally be water. Mm-hmm. It could literally be just like your period is coming up. So you're bloated. But if they're talking to me and they're like super sad or depressed or feel really down or saying mean things about themselves or feeling like they now need to punish themselves by, you know, doing tons of cardio and working out extra, that's usually an indication that the scale is not a good marker for them, for their goals. This is um, a personal question, but I figured I'll ask it anyways. Um, so what if you, this is me personally, if you have someone who's like kind of OCD about the scale, so you, they're kind of OCD, so they have to check it every week to make sure, you know, it hasn't gone up like a lot in that week or whatever. Um, but you also notice that they have um, problems detaching from that number. How would you help them like detach from that number? Is this a personal question? Yeah. yeah. Like, I've I've been working on it, and it's been getting better. Like, I'm not so affected by that number, but I'm still, like, a little affected. You know? Like, it's been a lot better than what it used to be. I'm just wondering how you completely detach from it. 
and if that's possible. <laughs> yeah. So like you're, so you're saying for yourself that mm-hmm. like if you fail and mm-hmm. it says something you don't like, mm-hmm. like negatively affecting you, but you mm-hmm. can't like not weighing yourself. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think the first, um, depending on what your goals are, like, mm-hmm. Um, can I ask what, what are your goals? Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to stay the same, like the same weight. Yeah. Um, I want to like build muscle, but I don't want to gain weight. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. Well, so, I mean, just, just mm-hmm. on that point alone, mm-hmm. um, that's what's confusing about the scale mm-hmm. is that you could be going up in weight, yeah. but it could be muscle. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like you're gaining fat, but you're just putting on muscle, which is causing the number to go up. Mm-hmm. But you're so attached to that number alone is what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not super attached to it, but I'm not not attached to it. You know, like I'm, I would like to be less attached to it. I would throw your scale out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> Access to the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You really, if you feel like that's just going to create like way too much anxiety and it's not going to be good for you, Mm -hmm. I I would use other non-scale markers Mm -hmm. in a scale for the time being. Mm -hmm. So, yourself, like if one one of your goals is to gain muscle, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's like checklists and stuff that you can go through on a regular basis. That will show the progress you are making that has nothing to do with the number on the scale. So it can be like things like, you know, I lifted this much more weight than I did last week on my squat, or I did this many more reps than I normally would, or I went to the gym four times instead of three, or worked out because there's no gym right now, anyways. But, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or like other markers that like, I'm noticing when I put my jeans on that my butt fills my jeans out more, like your butt's growing, or I notice when I put my jeans on that they fit a little nicer around my waist, or I notice that like my my skin is clearer, or I'm sleeping better, so I would say for someone who's like super attached to the scale, I I would say get rid of the scale, would be my maybe an honest opinion, but if you're going to use the scale in conjunction, use non-scale indicators. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully will help you pull away from the number because the number is honestly, it's if you're using like a very regular scale that literally just tells you your overall weight, it doesn't tell you anything else. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tell you how much fat you have. It doesn't tell you how much muscle you have. It doesn't tell you how much water you're retaining. So the number is not really telling you anything mm-hmm. and someone who is 145 pounds and is full of muscle and is 5'5 five five versus someone who is 145 pounds and is 5'9 and is a lot thinner they look very different but mm-hmm. the number on the scale is identical mm-hmm. so I I would say, yeah, like if, if you can't get rid of the scale to just really have other markers that help you know that you are making progress on the goals you want. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I would throw the scale out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And how have you been like modifying workouts since like we're all at home? What's like a good thing to do at home? Yeah, home workouts. Yeah. <laughs> do you like use... Um, do you like use yeah. weights at home? Do you do body weight? It's yeah, like for my clients, it's dependent mm-hmm. on like what I have at home. Mm-hmm. Um, my clients have like bought um, like weights or like bands and things like that to use. But honestly, you can do home workouts that are super, super challenging and super, super effective. Like to some degree, if you're really trying to put on like mass amounts of muscle at some point yes you'll need to probably be in a gym where you can add additional weight to to your workouts but 
for the time being, you can get really great workouts at home with no equipment, with bands, with dumbbells, with like your chair, with the backpack that is filled with books. Mm-hmm. Like you be very, you know, uh, resourceful. Like we have like bags that we fill with like stuff to use as weights. <laughs> <laughs> have you noticed it's like any any change in motivation when you're working at home versus when you go to a gym? Like, is anyone struggling with like being less motivated? Maybe since the gyms are closed or? Well, myself. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I would say it's definitely a struggle for a lot of people. Also in part that like, we're just home all the time now too, right? Yeah. It's one to work out at home, but would be living normal life versus working out at home while spending 24 hours at home. Mm-hmm. So people are definitely struggling in that area. Um, a lot of what I've noticed, I have a lot of like friends and stuff who are trainers and they're doing a lot of like live workouts on Instagram. I don't know if you've seen that on yeah. Instagram or not. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I've been like encouraging my clients to join those types of things too, mm-hmm. just so that you can kind of like get the feeling of like someone else and get the motivation and be like amped up to, to do the workout. Cause it's hard. I won't yeah. lie. Like a lot of days where I'm just like, Oh my God, I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like something changes when you like step into the gym, you're like, okay, I'm going to work out now. Versus like when you're at home, you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be different when you like put your gym clothes on and go to the gym versus you put your gym clothes on and you go to the living room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. 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 So what's what have you learned from your 20s? And what do you wish you would have known at 20? Oh, what have I learned? Oh my goodness. Um, I have learned that the majority of people do not have their life figured out in their 20s. And that is also the thing I wish I had known going in because I feel like you leave high school and that's kind of like your your first introduction to adulthood. It's when you first leave high school and go to school like college university or you get a job if you don't go into into more schooling and everyone kind of like acts like they have it all together right like everyone's in school being like I'm in school for this and I'm gonna be this and you know everyone's just got this like little like like kind of like fake thing going on that they know what they're doing and then you leave college or university and you start working and you just start to realize that nobody has a clue what the hell like, I think it's it's way more rare that someone, that for there to be a person that leaves high school and, and what they're doing and does that for the rest of their life. It's way more common that people leave and they enter, enter adulthood and they make like a thousand changes. But when that was first like happening with me, I was just like, you go through these periods where you're just like, why don't I know what I want to do with my life? And then you're like, I'm 25. Like, I feel like my life is like a quarter way over. over it. Mm-hmm. It's a, it is. And you start to just like put all this like unnecessary pressure on yourself to figure shit out as fast as you possibly can. And then that's where, you know, for myself, like, you just end up doing things that you don't want to do, but you feel like you have to do something because you can't just do nothing. So I, I would say like the biggest thing I've learned is that most, a lot of people take a large majority of their twenties to figure out what they want to do. And like, like that's okay. Like how, how are you reasonably supposed to know when you're 18 leaving high school, what you want to do for the rest of your life? And if, like, I have friends who do know, and I, I I do know, like, people that literally have known all their life what they want to do, and that is fantastic, but most people are rare. Most people really don't have a clue, 
and that's okay. And I think that the more we can like normalize the fact that you're probably going to change jobs, you potentially might do more than one program in university or college or some sort of like education, and that's okay. And like, if you don't like your job, find something else. Like, do not spend the rest of your life in the job you hate just because you went to school for it. Like, that is how people die in their 20s and, like, live this, like, shit life for the rest of their life. (laughs) And what's your favorite part about being a coach? Hmm. Helping, empowering women to, to, you know... trying to think how to word this with women and like watching them just like become a person they are proud of being and I think that that's so incredible to watch is just like and be a part of their journey it's just like someone that comes to you who is dissatisfied in some sort of way whether that be uh, their external body internal body weight know eating habits like whatever and just being able to like watch them transition into a person they're like really proud of and I know I talked about it before that like the gym gave me all that confidence to like bring me where I am today and to like watch that happen to other people Mm -hmm. is really like and did you have any limiting beliefs when you started coaching full-time or did you know oh, it's going to be okay, you knew every, everything was going to be fine, or did you have any blocks doing that? <laughs> I still have blocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I mean, especially when you run your own stuff, there's a lot more that comes up than when you work for a company because mm-hmm. you have to think about everything. But I would say, like, my biggest thing is just, I've had a lot of moments where I was just like, can I do this? Like, mm-hmm. am, like, do I even know enough to help people? And it's funny because you, when you learn things, you start to think that they're like common knowledge, but mm-hmm. then you forget that the, like people don't generally know these types of things unless they've learned them about like health and nutrition. So in my head, I was just like, I don't even have any valuable information because everybody knows these things. And then I would talk to somebody and they'd be like, I didn't know that. So I just like, I really had to like, and I still do. I really have to remind myself that like, I know my stuff Mm -hmm. and I, I have the ability to like help other people and just like keep reminding myself of that. Cause like that, I guess it's like the confidence in yourself. So I'm still, I'm still, working on like having that confidence that I I can I can help other people and I have what it takes and just like, reminding myself of that when I start to get into that rut of like I you know I'm not good enough and all those other things we tell ourselves mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the biggest thing that helped you get past that like do you stop yourself when you notice that you're like playing that track in your head do you do journaling like what helps you the most for that um my boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) is he your coach (laughs) (laughs) definitely i mean we're we're just very like open and honest with each other so like if things are are coming up and i feel like insecure or inadequate or anything like that then he's there to just remind me of like the things I've done and remind me of you know what I knowledge I have and just sort of give me that extra push to to just moving forward so yeah he's definitely a big factor (laughs) so cool (laughs) so awesome I don't have any really more questions for you. Is there anything you wish I would have asked you? Hmm. I feel like anything I wish you would have asked me. Mm. Not that I can think 
I'm trying to think. Because hmm. I know you said in your first podcast you're not quite 20 yet. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm 19. Oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm five months away. Yeah. Okay. So I, I would be curious to know, mm-hmm. this is a question for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Curious to know then, based off of like everything we just talked about, mm-hmm. how do you feel going into your 20s? Like, what mm-hmm. are the, like, expectations do you think are like placed on you, whether they're external or from yourself? Like, why, why did you already... That like your twenty third shit show. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's already been kind of messy, you know. I got in my first car accident this year. Um, I got furloughed from my job for four weeks. Um, I just signed my first rental contract in January, and then I got furloughed a couple months later. So it's been like a lot of stuff in a short amount of time. Um, yeah, it's been crazy. So it's been like a lot of stuff in a, like a really short amount of time. Like um, my coworkers made a joke with me, and they're like, "You've been doing a lot of adulting within like this really short period of time. Like these last six months, I feel like I've been doing more adulting than I've ever done. You know, just as far as so it's already been starting to feel kind of messy. You know, <laughs> it's already been starting to feel like kind of a roller coaster." And I just feel like your 20s is like a transition period of your life. So I feel like it's going to be a roller coaster for me of like just trying to figure everything out. Yeah, that's definitely pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, honestly, just like fall with it as yeah. much as you can. Just go with it. And it's it's really cool because you like you've obviously already had these hurdles that you've had to overcome. And, like, now you're just, like, a stronger person than you were five, six, seven months ago. So, mm-hmm. new things that are going to come your way, you're already that much stronger and that much more knowledgeable and better. And you can start to, like, overcome things better. Or you'll have mm-hmm. bigger challenges, but mm-hmm. you'll know that you've overcome them because you've already done, like, all these other things. Mm-hmm. Just, like, just, just roll with it. Mm-hmm. And... It never gets easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. You get better. better, though. That, that's the difference, is that, like, I've learned this with Esme very fast, is that it never it never gets easier being a mom so far mm-hmm. in my childhood, my motherhood, but you just get better, and you just mm-hmm. get stronger, and more powerful, and get, you know, more aligned with yourself, and then when things come your way, they're, they're not so big anymore. And you have this confidence about yourself that you didn't have a year ago. And now you know you can like overcome this and it's not going to be near as big of a deal as it was before. And it's so cool because I will be so interested to see a couple years down the road with you mm-hmm. how different you are in a couple years and how much you've like grown and you just become like more yourself over mm-hmm. the years. It'd be so cool to look back on the podcast for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's so cool getting to like interview all these different people because like everyone has such a different story, you know, and such a different journey. And it's just so cool. I like it. <laughs> it's like, you know, everyone, like you said, like everyone's so different. Yeah. And it's funny when you hear people who are in their 30s mm-hmm. talk about they're always like, they have no idea what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really cool because like being at like 27 now, I, I'm i just like so curious to see what I'm like in like five or six years. Mm-hmm. And if I'm about 27-year-old me and be like, well, she had no idea about anything. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I had so much fun chatting with you. Um, where can people connect with you? So I am on Instagram mostly mm-hmm. under handles best hustles, um, and then I'm on my podcast, which we didn't really talk about. But <laughs> I I have a podcast called the Badass Moms Club. Mm-hmm. So. Anyone who is a mother or even a father, it's a great place to come to just learn and feel at home in motherhood about all of the, the craziness of motherhood. But 
Now, my, my Instagram is probably the best place to connect with me, and I'm quite active on Instagram, and I love connecting with people, so if anyone wants to connect, I'm always here. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope you have a great rest of your day.